girls I join Hello, everyone, and welcome to our inaugural episode of Cults I Would Join. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay, team! Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm Jesse Stone. Uh, this is my my brainchild. Uh, it, it's I've explained to my friends here before, but I'll tell y'all this is basically just an effort. It's a humanitarian effort on my part to save other people at parties from me. So all the minutia <laughs> I've been spewing out at people for years and years about all the cults that I would join, and they don't actually want to hear about it now i've got this consensual relationship with these two and with whoever <laughs> mm-hmm. is choosing to push play on this uh and then i don't have to then spew out all my love of, and minutia of cult information on strangers who didn't ask for it so more cheetos for all of us <laughs> less minutia for strangers who didn't want it so that's that's us uh again i'm jesse stone uh my own background is fairly culty uh, and I have two friends here with me, Amarin Link and Madison Hadler. Uh, Amarin, I would say Amarin is uh, ha- has a background of being cult adjacent. <laughs> is that inaccurate? That feels great, Jesse. Yeah, I would. I would say. I would say cult adjacent is maybe like the title of my young life early memoir. Um, so certainly an accurate descriptor of me. Thank you. Great. Yes. Good. 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 Um, and then Madison would be our like more mainstream cool girl. I believe you best described yourself to me the other day when you referred to yourself as lesbian cottagecore. Lesbian cottagecore, yes, yes. <laughs> I guess uh, pansexual. If we really want to get really iffy on it, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to nail Madison down for any potential suitors out there. Right. Don't don't put Madison in a box like that, Jesse. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I I do feel like I exude lesbian cottagecore. So I do too. Actually, people constantly think I'm a lesbian and a vegetarian, and I I like all the meat. There we go. If I'm being honest. Yeah, I'm a big protein gal, but I do. I am constantly perceived as solely interested in women. um, (laughs) Do you think it's because we're smart? I don't. I think it's because I'm aggressive. Honestly, I think it's also the way I sit with my legs open all the time. (laughs) I take up space. Okay, so yeah, we think we have a right to exist. Therefore, gosh, you know, we're not heterosexual. No, this all stands to reason. Yeah, the pipeline between like becoming self-aware and becoming interested solely in women is pretty tight, is it not? Like it's bold to stay in the male dating pool once you. Oh yeah, I feel like when quarantine (laughs) hit and I found out way too much about myself, I was like, okay. Yeah, definitely like women. Yeah. And now I'm just like, oh, God, there's like few rare men in between that time. I can I can tell you all this. My friends who are all at the point in their lives where they're contemplating divorce, I'm like, where do you think you're going? Who do you think is out there? Like, yeah, but- if you like solitude, I uh, support you. But otherwise, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing out there. Well, you know what is out there? This exactly. podcast. This is out there for anybody. Yeah, regardless exactly. of who you are, cults I would join is for you. Cults I would join. <laughs> so, just a real quick disclaimer that I won't give every time, but since this is the first one, I just want people to know I am being fairly tongue in cheek when I say cult. Um, having lived in many, many alternative communities myself, people always, always suggest that I live in a cult, and that's been more or less true depending on where I was. Um, so I'm just using the cult uh, term cult loosely because everyone else seems to use it very, very loosely. So if I talk about your community in this, please know that I probably don't really think you're a cult uh, or, or I'll 
alternately you think every group everywhere is a cult equally. So um, I just, you know, I'm constantly accused of being a cult member and, and therefore I made a show about it. So, okay. (laughs) All right. So cults I would join. I'm so excited to tell you both about my first cult. I gave you both a teaser last week that it is about a free love community. Uh, Did either of you try to cheat and goog anything? I didn't. I made my one guess. I wanted to raw dog it. I made one guess and was immediately wrong. And that made me feel so hurt in my ego that I couldn't do any further research, to be clear. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I'm going to give you a couple hints. And then based on these hints, I want you guys to give me the... um, like the, the time era that you think this community was probably set in. Yeah. So we're talking free love. We're talking about about 300 adults at its peak, all involved in like complex free loving of various degrees. We're talking about uh, non-traditional gender roles. We're talking about a lot of egalitarianism, a lot of progressive thinking, obviously. Um, and, you know, I can't stress it enough, a whole lot of free loving. Go. Where are we at in the in the timeline of history? 1983. <laughs> I don't know. That's really, that's targeted. Wow. Very specific. Yeah, because I was really just going to say like the 60s, but uh-huh. that's not very specific. Do you need me to get more specific? No, no, no. The, oh, here's, here's the only thing that I need more specific about your answer of the 60s is of what century? Oh, the 1960s. Yes. The 1960s. Yeah. 1662 yes, yes, sure. feels good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're both wrong, but you're both closing in on it. We are talking about the 1860s. I know. Welcome. Welcome. Okay. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. today we are talking about one of my favorite of all time communities. It is called the Oneida community. If Oneida sounds familiar to you and you think about your latest walk through Target, you might think about the silverware. The Oneida flatware that you see everywhere you go. It's pretty ubiquitous in the world. I, true story, I love Oneida so much as a weird culty commune that I am a loyalist and I truly, to my core, will only have Oneida silverware in my house. So if you come to my house, it's all Oneida all the time. I'm not taking any non-sex cult silverware up in my house. Who needs it? (laughs) Who needs it? I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to look for that the next time I go to Target. It's it's you it truly is ubiquitous. Um it was a great business idea. It lasted longer than the community, obviously. Um but yeah, Oneida silverware is the leftover uh evidence of the Oneida community, which was a free love commune in the 1860s. In fact, it started in the 1840s, pre-Civil War. Oh my gosh. At a time when we really needed community togetherness that's not yeah. a joke that's a serious <laughs> statement you know like pre-civil war was a great time to lean into communities you know yeah you probably should have done that more for realsies <laughs> they they were in fact such weirdos that during the civil war they were the only people who were not drafted <laughs> heck yeah all right so just <laughs> hey a way to get out of it. i'd like to go ahead and start off saying colts i would join this one just to get out of the draft at that time yeah <laughs> yeah right. i am a woman but we're removing context for that so. yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm going to get right into it. Oneida community. People at home, feel feel free to Google it if you want to, or just follow along with me and be surprised with these girls. So uh, Oneida community was started by a man named John Noyes. 
1834, he was rolling around on the East Coast going to Yale University to be a preacher, as many privileged white males did at that time. Um, he bumped into the perfectionist movement. That was, uh, it was a Protestant movement. This was the time they called it the burnt out area where he was because the East Coast had so many like religious revivals and weird religions starting up all over the place um, that it was, it was just rife with revivals at that time. And one of the big things, one of the big movements of the time was the perfectionist movement. Perfectionism is the idea that once you have converted at your moment of conversion to saying, I'm on team Jesus, mm -hmm. you have reached perfection. You cannot go backwards. You cannot be sinful ever again because now you're a child of Christ. Well, then I'm saved, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, for, that's it. That You laugh, but they're uh -huh. not, that's what they think, right? By the way, that's what the Manson family said about all their murders and nobody mm -hmm. believed them. But okay. <laughs> I digress. This isn't about the Mansons. Um, so that that's perfectionism. So Noise loved it, jumped on team perfectionism. While at Yale, he said, let me find the quote here. So he adopted this doctrine. Um, he believed that he could not, <laughs> he told his teachers that he could not believe that he could be a sinner since he could not summon up from any feeling within him, any feeling of deep guilt or despair. Huh. He just didn't feel bad about anything he did, so he couldn't imagine that he could be a sinner. He believed that, in fact, Jesus had already returned to the earth, like he'd come and gone already. And so, in fact, we are in a state of, like, the ability to create heaven on earth if we just acknowledge it. So we're, like, bordering on post-apocalyptic Mormonism? Yes, is that yes? Okay, which was also springing around at the same. This is this is when we're rife with all the new religious ideas. This is the Quakers and the Shakers, right? So actually, which brings me Quakers and Shakers, yeah, for real. <laughs> and so one thing about perfectionism that he really tied to this idea was it the idea that if you were sinless, you probably could just go ahead and bang as many people as you wanted to because you couldn't sin. Madison, that's why you're still on board. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Same girl. Same, same. So, uh, so we're all on board for this religion so far. Yeah. So wait, um, do we know what they said about like gay? Like what if you became gay? I think it's a hard pass for them. Yeah. Okay. Still, I, I suspect, although I, I also suspect that for these people, what was behind closed doors was probably okay. Okay, right? okay. But like, mm. I think it was a step they couldn't yeah, take public. out. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's my, I, I questioned that myself. That's just okay. my gut feeling. Cause I did read a lot of their journals. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so he believed in, in the idea of complex marriage. We'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. So 1834, John Noyes starts developing his religious beliefs that will become the foundation of the community that he's going to start. Yes. So 1834, he, he is kicked out of Yale for being a perfectionist. Uh, he decides that he can never be sinful and neither can anybody else who is in his club. Right. So he starts calling himself a Bible communist and he spends about three years traveling the East coast, trying to get converts. Yeah. He gets none. None. Nobody wants to be a Bible communist with him. Um, he, he also can't talk anybody into free love. He actually did a lot of debating with the Shakers because he and the Shakers both felt that uh, 
that monogamous sexual relationships blocked you from a full experience of God. It's like so all encompassing that you can't have a full experience of God. So the Shakers took that and said, therefore, we'll never have sex again. And he took that and said, therefore, we should all have sex all the time so that it's not like a problem. So there's no way that there wasn't a little fruitiness going on there. Some a little exciting had to be going on. Yeah. Behind yeah. some, we're all on some walls page, I think, there. So. All right, all right. <laughs> okay. okay. So he did ultimately marry a woman, but he was very vocal about the fact that he married her for her social standing and her money. Um, and her money is what bought him a printing press and a farm to start this community, right? Now, go. she did go along for it and she was into mm-hmm. it, uh, but I don't know that she loved sure. you know, how he how he prepositioned that. I was just going to say really quickly, the marketing on Bible communists, like, of course, no one's going to join that. That sounds terrifying. Like, yeah, well, exactly. I don't like, know. I'm he needed it. to rebrand. <laughs> well, that's exactly what he did, Madison. There, Bible communists did not work for him. Yes. Oh, so he, wow. he did rebrand. And, and what he actually did was he got himself a wife. He got himself some mm-hmm. money. He did specifically say this up to my social standing. And then people would take him more seriously than when he was a single guy talking about free love. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then he married his. So shock of all shocks. He did have male followers. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> really? Men were like, I see what you're saying. I can really. I, I, I'm that was really resonating you, right? with the male audiences in the <laughs> 1830s, huh? Right. Wow. Uh, hard to so, picture that. So, We've come so far. I know. It's hard. To, I can't put it together. So, uh, surprise of all surprises, he married his sisters off to his closest male followers. Mm, yeah. Fun. Then he brought his brothers in mm. and they married women. Then he brought his mama in. I don't know. Okay. I, I lose track on that one. I didn't go down that rabbit hole. So okay. now he's got his whole family in wow. and his sisters are married to his male followers. His brothers are male, married to his female followers. This becomes the core leadership group of what would ultimately be the Oneida community. Nepotism. So, yeah. Going to immediately push back on that. Yeah. <laughs> From the very Nepotism. beginning. Yeah. Never ends. So, uh, so. But this brings us up to 1840. So he's six years into this at this point, right? 1840, he's got, at this point, they they actually formally come together. They call themselves the Putney Association. Uh, they form as, and I quote, a purely religious body. Um, by the year 1844, they formally adopted communism as the style through which they would live. So they like wrote up an official document, said, we're the Putney Association. We live with communism. It's listed as including all property of family living and associations. Uh, they had about 40 people that were involved in this complex marriage at this time. Pretty sure that we're not talking direct incest right now, but we will be later. So stay tuned. Ooh, that um, fun tidbit. They lived in three houses, they maintained a store, they worshipped together in a small chapel, and they ran a couple of farms. Mm. Okay, so now we're up in 1844. In 1846, Noyes started really getting down to business. He was like, I'm going to be a cult leader. I need a, a foundation and some tenets of faith. So he starts writing down. <laughs> he needs those yellow tinted glasses, the aviators. That's what all cult leaders need. Yeah. I can't say he didn't have those. Um, so he wrote down uh, the, the tenets of his, of his community. Those tenets were complex marriage, mutual criticism, male continence, and ascending fellowship. And I'll explain what all of those are. So in the town that they're in, they're, they're called the Putney Association. There's about 40 of them. But remember how he married into that printing press? Right. He got that money and he got yes. himself that printing press. He was real proud of himself. So he was disseminating all this information that was like, we're in a group marriage of 40 people. It's so great. So surprise, the villagers got really pitchforky and they came out and basically like ran them out of town. Ah. Right. 
So not how it always goes. The Putney Association disbanded at that time because they were wanted for um, adultery. Like they were all they there were arrest warrants for them all for committing adultery. It was the 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That checks out. <laughs> I'm surprised they did it as long as they did without more people coming around, honestly. Yeah, for real. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think it was really the printing press that was his undoing. Yeah, um, men. So, so they, they got, the neighbors got pitchforky, uh, so they disbanded the Putney Association, kind of fleed for their lives, did manage to sell their property, and regrouped in Oneida in New York. So they bought their farm in Oneida. This is where they're going to stay. This is where they're going to actually form their real community. They never leave this spot this is the place for them. Okay, it, it ends up being a place where they've got like a sprawling mansion and tons mm-hmm. of outbuildings and a whole bunch of businesses. They grow to a community for of about them. 500 people, oh, you know, 300 wow. adults. Yeah. So they're doing real well for themselves, right? Uh, as they grow, but yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. So in, it's in 1848 <laughs> that they purchase their land in Oneida and start building there. All right. So I'm going to tell you about the tenants of their religion. Number one, complex marriage. So I'm going to read the little quote here. Uh, They believed in complex marriage. They believed that this would move the community beyond divisive commitments into a from that would come from a single partner family. All the men were thought to be linked in divine marriage to all the women. Possessiveness and exclusive relationships were frowned upon. They said frowned upon, but they're just flat out not allowed. They kicked a man out once by throwing him out a window. Hey, you have to have principles, okay? You have to have standards. If you break the rules, yeah. what do you, you got? You get the window, okay? <laughs> That's right. So, um, so the man and the woman in, in their rules could cohabitate, um, but they had to obtain each other's permission through a third party before they could actually have sex. So the way that it works is that if uh, if I want to sleep with one of you, right, mm-hmm. I, I don't go to you and say, uh, Amarin, I would like to have sex with you. That's a, okay. that's a hard pass. Too I'm going to go to the, because they want to be real careful that nobody is too attached to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Let me just read this really quick. No two people could have exclusive attachment with each other because it would be selfish and idolatrous. Any two people found in any such situation would be separated and not allowed to see each other for a certain length of time. So if I want to sleep with you, Amarin, I'm going to go to an elder and say, I would really like to sleep with Amarin. And then that elder is going to say, I think that's a really great idea. Let me go talk to Amarin. And then you would say yes or no. And then we we go on with negotiations from there. Yeah, kind of kind of into the wow, consent like process, a though, a little bit, you know, like imagine yeah. if all men and women had to approach a third party <sighs> before coming to you to ask for favors. Imagine. So as I mentioned, I've lived in a lot of weird groups and I don't have to imagine it. Oh. Um, Zendik Farm, which is a contemporary community, has this exact model for sex. And uh, my boyfriend of 10 years moved to Sunday Farm as a young teenager and lived there till his 20s. So I'm very familiar with this model and what it breeds. Wow. <laughs> I'm yeah, very so. excited to get into that. Wow. We'll yeah, put a we little pin on that. Lots to talk time. about. For sure. Um, so so I would come, I would go to the elder and I would say, I really want to sleep with Amarin. They would say, that's a great idea. Let me go talk to Amarin. Yeah. It is a great idea. idea. Yeah. Or they would say, uh, fuck no, you've slept with Amarin twice this week. You can call Amarin in a couple months. You're going to sleep with Bob. Oh, so they could place you with other people? Um, yes and no. And as, a, as we go along, I'll, I'll get there. So, um, yeah. So, so it says, to achieve perfection and live without sin, uh, this required Oneidans to, this is a quote from their leader, nail marriage to the cross. It's over. You're sacrificing yeah. it. 
So they believe that the spiritual dimension of lovemaking brought partners closer to God as well as to each other. And this is a big quote that they said a lot in the community. The new commandment is that we love one another, not by pairs as in the world, but en masse. Oh, they made a new commandment. Wow. On mass. mass. What a, <laughs> wow. These people were not kidding around. Okay. The manifesto was coming in strong. For reals. So the next uh, tenet of their faith is ascending fellowship. So ascending mm-hmm. fellowship is kind of what it sounds like. It's a ladder of hierarchy, right? And it's kind of what I just described, right? So I'll read you a little blurb here. Um, Ascending Fellowship was set up to properly introduce the virgins of the community into complex marriage. This practice also worked to prevent the young members from falling in love with each other and from limiting their range of affection to just the younger members, right? Because now they're coming into like the 1850s and 60s, right? So now they're having kids who were raised in the community come up and come of age. Mm -hmm. So we've all been 20. Hey, when we were 20, did we want to bang 60-year-olds? No, 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 I'm 45 and I don't want to bang a 60 year old. Right. So, so, I mean, not unless there's a real good barter involved. So (laughs) what am I getting out of it? Certainly (laughs) not just living at this place is not enough for me. (laughs) If you're at Oneida. So, so, but that would have been, that would have wrecked the whole community, right? The whole community is founded on the fact that everyone is involved in a complex sexual relationship. So if the young people Mm -hmm. are coming up going, I actually just want to bang other young people, particularly this one that I think is hot, that's going to crash the whole community so that's a hard no so no so what they did was they had older people initiate the virgins into the sexual part of the community right Mm. so men would initiate older men would initiate younger girls older women would initiate younger boys they also were real big on birth control they did not want a bunch of unwanted babies running around they're actually very progressive in a lot of ways which i'll get to so um, so they were big on birth control so um they the women that would like spiritually mentor the younger men were always in their mid forties. So they're not likely to get pregnant, right? With these younger guys who don't know how to like hold it together. Right. (laughs) And then the older men had practiced their holding it together well enough that they weren't going to knock up all these young girls that they're bringing in. Right. So, so when I, when you asked earlier, you know, do they, do they assign you? No, unless you're new to the whole thing. Unless and it's the most traumatic them. moment for you so to be assigned. Do they wait? Yeah. Right, correct. So do they wait till they're like of age? So there, there is no record of the exact oh, age. So they definitely um, weren't, right? <laughs> well, so it's interesting. The descendants, and I'll get to this too, but the descendants of Oneida in the 1900s actually burned all their records because they were so embarrassed by it. So we don't uh, have, they did have actually meticulous records, um, but they, mm, they're no longer in existence. That's it helpful did become um, one of the reasons they fought and broke up the community was who is of age. Right. So it did become an issue, but I don't know what the ages were that people were arguing with. I can tell you this. You aged out of the children's house after age of 12. (gasps) That's kind of I was thinking that was probably going to be the range naturally, but that's just not great to hear that. That's, you know, not to be controversial, but I've reached my first mark against the cold. (laughs) (laughs) that's okay that's okay you guys don't have to join this cult with me um noise their initial leader often used his own judgment in determining the partnerships that would form and would often encourage relationships between the non-devout and the devout in the community in the hopes that the attitudes and behaviors of the devout would influence the non-devout makes sense 
Mm-hmm. Hard to argue okay, so- with that logic. <laughs> <laughs> also hard to argue with a male cult leader so super hard to argue in this situation overall i would say <laughs> yeah i i will add here because i didn't have time to go into this how i wanted to so i had to cut it um he is he had a very famous long-term sexual relationship with his niece who was born and raised in the community her name was tizra um, and she was a very big part of the community, very influential in a lot of their work, but but they had a long-standing sexual relationship and she wrote about it a lot in her journal. There was one entry where she was like, you know, I'm really concerned that I'm I'm not feeling attracted to my uncle and I haven't wanted to have sex with him lately. And he asked me tonight if we could have sex. And I basically, she said she wasn't really feeling it. And he said, okay, that's okay. I, you know, maybe later we can when you're feeling like it. But then he was like, but, uh... Are you sleeping with younger guys? And she was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so like, these were and, sh- and so they were like, "Well, we'll have sex later, so we feel closer to each other." And they were like, "Okay, sounds good." So there's some weirdness happening there. That's what I know. Yeah. About that. Okay. Kind so on to the yeah. next tenet of the faith. We've covered complex marriage and we've covered ascending fellowship. We now have male continence yes. and mutual criticism left. All right, male continence, which they also call. Coitus reservation, res, reservatus. Coitus reservatus. Oh sounds like a mouthful spell. It's a. It's what it sounds like. You you don't come if you're a guy, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I've had boyfriends that are into this. It's some kind of yoga thing. To each his own. Um, noise believed mm-hmm. that ejaculation and I quote drained men's vitality and led to disease and that pregnancy <laughs> and childbirth levied a heavy tax on the vitality of women. So I uh, segue. They're real woman positive in this community, actually. It's pretty interesting. Um, So he felt like women having to have kids all the time basically killed them, right? Which isn't wrong, especially in the 1800s. But he also felt that (laughs) men constantly coming led to disease. So so, he was against it. Two sides of that coin. Uh, They liked this better than other methods of birth control because they found it to be natural, healthy, and favorable for the development of intimate intimate relationships um women found increased sexual satisfaction in the practice and oneida is regarded as highly unusual in the fact that they value uh highly a woman's sexual satisfaction in fact if a male failed to give a woman an orgasm he faced public disapproval or private rejection oh also something that happened at zendik farm oh that's funny Matt, say it again. Oh, that's that was true at Zendik Farm as well. But that is also true. So I can't wait to tell you guys about that one. But I got to stretch out my sex cults. We can't do them all in a row. As much as I would love to just talk through every sex cult in chronological order, I'm sure we don't have time. Yeah, we can't go crazy, you know. <laughs> it's, well, not tonight. Um, okay, so here's something interesting. So they practiced this kind of birth control for 20 years. And in 20 years, uh, there between 1848 and 1868, when they practiced a full 300 person complex marriage with just basically like the pull out slash don't come method, uh, they had, let me see here. They had 20 babies. Yeah, this, I wrote a note to myself. This is how I know that my ex-husband's second child is a trap baby. I am not surprised that we managed to work this one into the site. I can't see your smug face super well, Jesse, but I know exactly what it looks like right now through the grayness, and I like that. You heard it here first, folks. Okay, so that's... (laughs) Enjoy your trap, baby. All right. Uh, so this takes us to our last um, tenet. So we've covered complex marriage, 
male continence, ascending fellowship, and the last tenet of their faith, these are the four that they built everything else on, was mutual criticism. So we touched on it earlier. Mutual criticism is when a member under communal control was subjected to criticisms of either a committee or the whole community. Um, the criticisms were usually directed toward the member's bad traits, um, as in anything that was going to maybe be divisive for the community as a whole. Mm. Um, and only Noyes himself, the leader, did not have to go through this process, obviously. Sure, that's the per- uh, Every member of the community was subject to criticism during a general meeting. So yeah. basically, anybody could be called mm-hmm. up um, and and people would take turns saying like, hey, I really have, so let's say that like Amarin, we, we got, we got permission to have sex, but I didn't think it was the best. So I would literally go to meeting and say like, yeah, um, Amarin didn't give me an orgasm last night and I don't even feel like she cared. I like that. And then, that's a fun, that's a fun one. <laughs> you would by necessity say, I am so sorry. I will be a better lover. You absolutely would not say, uh, you know, you could bathe more or whatever your rebuttal uh, could be. Wow. Right? Say you're sorry. Um, so, so that's what that is. So that's, that's mutual criticism, right? Which is a good idea in that, like the idea is that you're airing all of your issues and nothing okay. is festering. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to read you a little, this is from someone's diary. This was a description of one of the mutual criticisms. Charles sat speechless looking before him, but as the accusations multiplied, his face grew paler and drops of perspiration began to stand on his forehead. The remarks I have reported took up about half an hour, and now each one in the circle having spoken, Mr. Noyes summed it up. He said that Charles had some serious faults, that he had watched him with some care, and that he thought the young man was earnestly trying to cure himself. He spoke in general praise of his ability, his good character, and of certain temptations he had resisted in the course of his life. He thought he saw signs that Charles was making real and earnest attempts to conquer his faults. That's a pretty descriptive uh, journal entry, diary entry. It sounds like a book. There wasn't a lot going on. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, there are so many good. I mean, people in the 1800s really journaled. So yeah. there are obviously like a lot of entries about who's sleeping with who. But there's a whole lot of entries too. Like this was a really dynamic community. They had many, many businesses they were running. Um, they were really egalitarian in the way that they uh, ran their businesses. So women could do anything that men did. Um, so people were like just very busy, always doing stuff. They got really into crochet okay as a community for a while that's so funny okay they also got really into um naked swimming for a while um yeah 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 which obviously i just think this is funny there were accusations by the neighbors that they were like always having orgies in this pond which there's no way because that's like against their religion they their complex marriage thing was very specific but also raise your hand if you've attended a pond orgy no no this is a pond Uh, podcast i'm raising my hand let me just tell you i don't I don't recommend it. And nobody that has attended a pod orgy would recommend it. It's disgusting. It doesn't make sense. It's not functional. No, no, I can't speak to to pond orgies, but I can say that I live in the great state of Idaho. Shout out Idaho. And (laughs) uh, we have a lot of hot springs here. And I'll tell you what. We really have to talk a lot about not fooling around in the hot springs. Uh, it's really <laughs> unsanitary. You'll get like a staff infection. <laughs> like a hundred percent you will. You will get severely ill if you do that in these spaces. And people can't be stopped. It's amazing. I don't know. Same for pond orgies. Yeah, uh, see that? Mm, basically the same thing, except for, you know, one of them's hot. Yeah. You know, like which. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're at night or 18, sorry, 1869. Yeah. So this community started in the 1840s. We are now in 1869. The United Community started something called stirpiculture. 
which is a term they came up with themselves, but it's uh, another term for eugenics. Okay. Perhaps you've heard of it. So they started their own eugenics program, um, which is better Hmm. than it sounds. Uh, Um, It is, it is, it is the selective breeding of humans. That's what eugenics is. Um, They called it stirpiculture. It's from some Latin bases that they stuck together. Um, They produced 58 children from couples chosen by a committee on the basis of their spiritual qualities. In preparation for the baby boom, they built a whole other wing to their mansion called the Children's House, where youngsters would be raised communally. So, interesting. Uh, you know, generally eugenics is like racially based. And it's uh-huh. horrible and awful. This is a, this is like eugenics light. Basically, what they wanted was to start producing children in the community, but they had an idea of like who was the more like spiritual, upright, trustworthy people in the community, and they thought that they would make like okay. more spiritually trustworthy babies. So, like moral, right? moral. morally eugenic yeah i mean it it has the potential to be okay and it also has the potential to be like mean girls yeah in real life right so it definitely seems like a split you know like i I definitely see what you're saying about it being more like selective spiritual breeding but also i don't know i'm guessing most of these people were white right oh i think it it actually I haven't found anything on that, but given that mm-hmm. a lot of them were related, and this guy was white, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say Whitey Mc, Whitey McWhiterton's, yeah, um, yeah, especially especially in the North pre Civil War yeah. and just post Civil War, so right, yeah. Sometimes I forget how early we're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about here, and then I'm like, wait a second. Obviously, we're probably not dealing with a super inclusive yeah. community at this time. We're about to hit the Civil yeah. War. Yeah, so. correct, correct. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so ultimately this produced, what did I say here? How many babies? 58, 58 babies. This involved uh, 53 women and 38 men. Nine of these babies were fathered by Noyes himself. Again, surprise. Wow. Um, in ways, That's really surprising. Yeah, in ways it went good. Uh, some people had great experiences with it and were really happy and, and were relieved of the tedium of just like constant child rearing because they raise their kids community, communally. Other people left over it because they would come to the directors and say, I want to be a mother. And the directors would say, no, that's we don't think you'd be a good mom. Hard pass. Not that anybody raised the kids themselves, but they would be like, no, it's not for you. Or there were hmm. some people who would be accepted to the program and miscarry. And the directors would say like they really didn't like the idea of wrecking women's bodies. So the directors would say like, no, I'm so you miscarried. It's a hard no. Hmm. And those women would leave. Hmm. You know, I even if I thought my soul were only going to be safe in a community if if my choice were lose my soul or lose the chance to be a parent i'd leave because i yeah that's how much i want to be a parent mm, and yeah. i think that was true for some people there so it went great for the people it worked for yeah i don't hate the idea of <laughs> i mean i don't know how you would judge who would be a good parent or not but i don't hate the idea of telling some people hey you probably wouldn't be a good parent because there's some people out there that that probably should have been told that. I'll be honest. There's no there's no basis that I have that on. I don't know who would be the judge of that because you know nobody's perfect. But I'll be the judge of it. I go to Walmart enough. Yeah. Anyway, right. yeah. so here's what it says about the communal raising. Now I will say again, having lived in lots of communities, the community that I lived in the most, uh, the longest that I'm I'm most attached to and a part of, 
uh, our communities were based on BF Skinner, which is a whole other show we'll talk about, but they also did fully communal child raising where the parents were not directly parenting their kids. Um, it's very interesting. It's really a fascinating topic. They did it for a long time in all of our communities. Um, mm-hmm. I have friends who were raised in that. They do not have glowing memories of it. Uh, they would not mm-hmm. rate it well. I think it's I think it's a really interesting thing. So here's what it says about theirs. Once children were weaned, usually around the age of one, they were raised communally in the children's wing. Their parents were allowed to visit, but the children's department held jurisdiction over raising the offspring. If the department suspected a parent and child were bonding too closely, the community could enforce a period of separation because the group wanted to stop the effort the affection between parents and children. The children's department had a male and female supervisor to look after the children between ages two and 12. The supervisors made sure children followed the routine, dressing, prayers, breakfast, work, school, lunch, work, playtime, supper, prayers, and study, which were uh, adjusted accordingly, according to age and ability. So that is, Mm. so it was fully communal. One of the journal entries I read said the kids would come over constantly and like have dinner and put on little shows for the adults and have fun with them. And then they'd go back to the kids building and and live their own kid lives. Um, But one of the journal entries said that on Thanksgiving, they allowed the mothers and their own children to sit together and like snuggle for like 20 minutes. And they said everyone was so happy and, and loved it so much. And it hadn't happened since May Day. And this was Thanksgiving. Aww. Yeah, I know. Aww. And then it said all the kids were happy and went off on their That's own. That's not so good. It's, yeah. Well, unreliable narrator, if you yeah. ask me, I'm not sure if all the kids were happy. You know, like I'll come on. Yeah. <laughs> I've been around kids. All right. You ever seen that many happy kids at once? No. <laughs> I will. I will say this again. Having lived in a commune that did practice communal child raising for many years, not when I lived there. When I moved there, it was long since over with. But I know the stories of it. Again, the the friends that I have that were raised in it have great memories and not great opinions, both obviously at the same time. Mm. Um, the community that I lived in stopped doing it because a child uh, died, not in the community and not as off the farm. Um, but it was, uh, it was such a reality check for the parents that immediately the parents were like, I can't do this. And they, and they changed the format of child rearing immediately. So I I don't want to talk about that ever too much because it isn't my life experience, you know, but, but I think it's worth mentioning that that is what changed the communal, a a longstanding communal child rearing in the community that I spent a lot of time in. So Mm -hmm. interesting. Mm. That's, that is really interesting. Yeah. And I'm glad you shared that. I will say one thing and I'll let you tell the story. And it's just that I definitely understand the prospect of like raising children communally. And I've always found it very intriguing in the same way that I find like, you know, inner relationships mm-hmm. communally intriguing. But I also find that it's a really convenient way to run a cult because I don't know if you know this, but attachments between parent and children are a vast majority of the reason that adults like older adults leave cults is because their children leave and, and their attachment to their children brings them mm. with them. So when I hear something like this with a cult, it's very difficult for me to take that information in without it seeming like a control yeah. tactic. I'm not trying to be like hyper negative and say it's not based on something totally moral or right. Wrong, you know, I, I don't know. But I do know that in practice, it sounds like a very effective way to keep yourself from losing um, numbers. You guys are invited to be hyper negative because I am the Pollyanna of cult joining. So <laughs> someone has to go keep me in check. 
<laughs> that's me, Mrs. Hypernegative. I'll let you. I'll let you get back right. to the well, story. I'm now. rounding the corner here, so so I'm 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 wrapping it up now. A little bit about life at Oneida, because for me, what I love about cults is actually like or communities that are not cults is just the day to day of it, mm-hmm. right? I just love the the practice of like we all have breakfast at eight o'clock together, then we all go work in the sheep, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I just I love mm-hmm. the we of it all, right? So um life at Oneida, they built their mansion house in eighteen sixty two. It was a ninety three thousand square foot building. They wanted it to reflect wow. Eden because they believed that they were ushering in heaven on earth. Um, their library was huge and extensive and full of all kinds of books about science and languages. They actually didn't even observe the Sabbath yeah. or read Bibles because they oh. felt like Jesus had already come and gone um, and that they were already perfected and that. Um, oh, I love people like this. Yes. No. Yeah. So yes. they, they would absolutely describe themselves as Christians, but they did not read the mm-hmm. Bible uh, they did not even observe the Sabbath. They ju- on on Sundays they learned Latin together. Wow, that's very not allowed. And they sang songs. Two really highly wrong <laughs> things to do on a Sabbath. May I just say? No. Yeah, so they, you know, and as I said, they played a lot of croquet. They went sledding a lot. A lot of a lot of pond action going on. So they just mostly had a lot of fun. Um, and so so their daily lives did revolve quite a bit around work. They had several businesses. Here, I have a little list of all their businesses. They had a business of canning. They had a newspaper printing business. They had a lot of uh, books and presses that they put out constantly. They had a rustic furniture business. They were very well known for their animal traps. That was their biggest business for a long time. They ran a public Turkish bathhouse. Wow. Um, they, yeah. They that makes sense. They hosted <laughs> strawberry festivals. And they, yeah, for, I know, right? Really on brand. Um, they made silk threads and ribbons. And actually, they made so many silk threads and ribbons that they um like were constantly bedecked in them because they thought it was cool and fun i think that's cool and fun i agree with you um in their in their library they also had lots of latin greek algebra and astronomy books they also read a lot about literature and art um so they were just like fun i think they hung out and read cool books and talked about their cool books quite a bit uh in their vestibule which is they had a big branching staircase in the middle of their giant mansion that went off to all the different sections and in the middle of it because remember this is also the victorian age Mm. they had all this collection of oddities so they had like an emu egg from australia a lamp from pompeii they had a mastodon jaw like they just liked cool shit and they like doing cool collection of oddities Um, is a great band name by the way but yeah i like it jot it down (laughs) jot it down Um, The soul of the United community definitely resides in the second floor where the big hall is. This is where the adults gathered after dinner every single night for their meetings, right? Which were like, they put on plays for each other. They'd recite poetry. They would teach each other. They they would give each other like chemistry classes. They just had all this fun stuff going on. And then, of course, they would have their their circle where they slammed somebody every night. Which is, Naturally. I've attended those. They can be fun too. <laughs> um, also, tourists came by the thousands and paid 60 cents for one of the community's mostly vegetarian dinners. Uh, and they paid 25 cents to sit and watch them at their meetings. Oh, oh. like so. everything? Just, was, is there anything off limits for 25 cents? No, no. You're all in. It's all in at 25 cents. Wow. Now that is not a bad price to be yeah. all in. You know, everything <laughs> included for 25 cents. Wow. Yeah, the meal is more expensive. Well, 
I, I hear they had really good food. I, I actually printed up the, the menu, which you're welcome to hear. But again, I'm, I'm talking a lot. Every evening, community members might hear a home talk from their leader. Uh, so every every evening, the home talk is where, you know, Noise himself would get up and kind of talk about whatever he wanted to talk about. They would make their decisions about their business affairs. They would enjoy a concert by the community's musicians. And then they would air and settle grievances with mutual criticism. Uh, their upper sitting room was elegant and beautiful. And then off of that big, beautiful, lavishly furnished space were all of the 250 tiny little bedrooms, uh, which was to remind them that bedrooms are for sex uh, with randos. And then everything else is to be communal. Oh, okay. oh so, got it. They actually yeah. say you should set your bedroom up like that, like not just for sex, but they say you should set it up for it's just like sex and sleeping if you have an intimacy issue in a marriage did you know that so they had I the have right idea that. yeah yeah that's a real therapy yeah. suggestion so I, i'm not against progressive it. yeah i yeah. i don't know well, <laughs> which leads me into what i wanted to say about them w- really quickly which is that they were in fact extremely progressive anida embodied one of the most radical and institutional efforts to change the women's role and improve women's female status in the 19th century um, some of their privileges included not having to care for their own children as Oneida had a, com- a communal child care system, as well as freedom from unwanted pregnancies, which is a, a big deal. Mm. That's a big deal now. Yeah. yeah. People will not give us our birth control now. Yeah. 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 So especially um, white men. Also, for re- yeah, we've had enough of you guys. Call me. <laughs> um, <laughs> they actually are the inventors of bloomers, which I love and wear all the time. Wow. Yeah. Those seem very modest. Well, for a, I understand that we were in the Victorian era. I keep forgetting. I'm sorry. Well, so we're talking 1840s to 1880s, right? This is not a time yeah. that women wore pants, period. But the Never. women at Oneida yeah. had short haircuts and they wore bloomers rather than skirts because it was more functional than working. And they did any job that a man did. They had no limit in the hierarchy. They had, Girl boss. Yeah, they were like for real, mm. um, which is just Gate really, really yep. cool. So and they, right. they weren't constantly pregnant and having babies. Um, women are free to explore positions in business and sales or as artisans or craftsmen. Many did so, particularly in the late 1860s and, and 1870s. Mm. Um, they had an active role in shaping commune policy, participating in the daily religious bus- and business meetings, which I just think is really cool. Yeah, that is nice. It's serving me Proverbs 31 woman vibes, like authentic ones. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For my ladies that have read Proverbs 31 <laughs> in real life, Hello. this goes out to you. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, like she's like a super industrious, hardworking woman with many businesses. So I dig it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I constantly wonder why people don't recognize me in that bur- in that Bible verse. Um, yeah, same. Yeah. By people, I mean potential suitors. Um, it says a woman's right, right to sex- satisfying sexual experience was recognized and women were encouraged to have orgasms. So I think that's pretty, well, pretty awesome I mean, of them. Yeah. And if you didn't, you could publicly uh, complain about it. Yeah. So if there's one thing I took away from this, it's bring back public yeah, uh, reciprocal mutual, shaming, yeah, mutual it? shaming, whatever it is. Bring it back. What is it? Mutual criticism. Mutual criticism. Mutual criticism. Yes. Remember that for your significant others tonight. Yes. So here, so here we are at the end of Oneida. Oneida folds in the year 1880, right? Uh, So we've got 40 years altogether from its inception, 33 years as a large functioning, very famous and active commune. That's not bad. 33? Um, 33 years as Oneida proper. Um, The divine number. For realsies. 
Holla, Jesus. <laughs> Holla at your boy, Jesus, with the 33. <laughs> yeah. If you know, you know. If you know. Um, within the commune, there did begin to be a debate about when children should be initi- initiated into sex and by whom. Um, the founding members were aging or deceased, and many of the younger communitarians desired to enter into exclusive traditional marriages. At the same time, the villagers were getting pitchforky again. They mm. got word that, again, Noyes had an arrest warrant out for him for a adultery and for sex with underage mm. people and so noise fled to canada and left his son in charge of the community his son was an avowed uh atheist uh, which was bad for the religious for the cult yeah. <laughs> at the same time there was another man who had been vying for he was actually from another free love community that had joined up with the oneidans because apparently there were a bunch of them at the time um and he didn't like the strictures of the community and so he was trying to fight for um supremacy at the same time so he and his group get this broke off this is in 1880 they when remember, we don't even have all the states that we have today, right? So they broke off in New York from Oneida community, disgruntled, and went out to California territory and established, get this, Orange County. <gasps> oh my County. gosh. Hmm? This has so Was many cameos in it, this story. Yeah, it's like the OC. cult you didn't know you were in yeah. a little bit, you know? Like you were like actively <gasps> involved with this cult. Yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> Orange County was absolutely founded by disgruntled exonidans who went out there to start their own free love community with less bossiness. Wow. Wow. wow, wow. Yeah. All right. they, like they incorporated it and named it that. So amazing. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, I agree with you. Um, so at that point in 1880, the, the uh, community was uh, as, as a whole was abandoned. Complex marriage was broken apart. Marital partners normalized their status with their partners with whom they had been cohabitating at the time of the reorganization. Over 70 community members entered into a traditional marriage in the following year. The last original member of the community, Ella Florence Underwood, died at the age of 101 in 1950. Wow. So here's something interesting, too. So at the point, so remember, they had all those cool businesses. Just at the point that they were in kind of the death spiral, they had is they had decided that the silverware business was what was going to go take them up, right? Mm. It was going to be the least amount of work, the highest dollar per hour. This is what all communities strive for, right? They had a business meeting and decided they were going to scrap all of their other businesses and focus entirely on the silverware. This happened just before they had their breakup. So then they have their big breakup. So the community disbanded as a commune and as a, as a religious group and as a complex marriage, they didn't leave the premises, They all continued to live there, except the OC people. Um, They simply reorganized from a commune into a land trust. Wow. Now, there are are current communities who have also done that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they they became a worker-owned cooperative, right? And they treated, they were kind of notorious for treating their people really well. They became Oneida, right? They've invested their whole lives into here. Where are they going to go? Right? Yeah, yeah. Rebrand. So they, uh, so at that point, they, they, became the Oneida silverware business as we know it today. They continued to live on that property. Uh, and then after the breakup of the Oneida community, the mansion house remained closed to the public for the next 106 years. Wow. Um, but in 1987, the building began its third incarnation as a B&B. What? Uh-oh. 
As of today, you could pay $100 for a comfortable bedroom, a simple what? breakfast, and a private tour. Wow. Do they, have oddities Do they have a museum of oddities? They have their museum of oddities. You can check it that out. That museum. Oh, God. You okay. Guys, oh, no. This, this podcast is just going to make us have to take road trips, honestly. For real. I'm a for big real. road trip gal, yeah. so this is a this is a big plus for me, honestly. I couldn't be happier. Wow. Put it on your list. That's so cool. And it's and it's like the price of a best western. Yeah. Like yeah, that's I can't very say good things. And I think the sex vibes have probably oozed out of the rooms by now. Well, I kinda hope they haven't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. I agree. Have with you, you been okay? Being- no, let's be real. I just went to a brothel in Nevada that's been like one of the last open brothels. I didn't it was yeah. not currently open. Um, but it they're all closed now. But one of the final brothels to be open, we went there and stayed. Uh huh. Too bad. This one probably should have been shut down. I'm not gonna lie to you. But um anyway, we went I'm not gonna say the name now that I've said that, but we stayed there as a B and B now and we got to stay in the working girls' quarters. And it was um, honestly a really good experience that I would recommend everybody have. Yeah. I think every room oh. with weird sex energy should be visited. Interesting. By people. The working girls' quarters is actually what I call my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> why not? Why not? Wow. <laughs> All right. So as we come to the end, so that is the Oneida community. I love Oneida. Um, Shout out to Twin Oaks community, which is a large famous commune on the East Coast, where I also spent quite a bit of time. They name all of their um, buildings after defunct utopian communities. So they have a big, beautiful building called Oneida. It's where the double tub is, which you can check out like a library book. It's dreamy. It overlooks the herb garden. I can't say enough good things. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Another. Again, maybe staph infection. Who's to say? Who's to say? Um, but as we as we get to the end here, this is something that we're going to do on on each episode. I'm going to run down. I've rated the things that are important to me personally about cults. Since this is called cults, I would join, and it's about cults that I would join. I have four things that I rate for every cult. A most important of all, cult aesthetic. I mostly just care about the outfits when I am joining cults. I have joined the the Amish in the past. I did join for the clothing. <laughs> um, oh. That's number one. Cult aesthetic, most important. Second, wackadooiness or zaniosity. How crazy is this cult? I didn't join your cult so that I could live in the suburbs and still shop at Walmart, right? I right. want to leave with some good stories yeah. about how we all get up at 3 a.m. to tickle each other's feet. <laughs> I don't know why. Pond orgies. Uh, then the third one is, would I join? And I'll ask you guys if you would join as well. And then I rate their actual cultiness right Mm -hmm. because again i don't actually think most of these groups are cults i actually wouldn't have called oneida a cult because these are a bunch of people who chose to do this and they had a great time and props to them and i would join this um however when i read all the journal entries of the girls who felt really guilty for not wanting to sleep with old men but saying and some of whom were their relatives but then saying like i've got to i've got to toughen up because you know it's important that i do this for my community that's where i was like oh, all right okay it seems culty so i rated them an 8 on the cultiness scale mm. what are you guys where are you guys at what's your rating oh my Eight seems pretty just. I'm not gonna lie. I don't want to give them a. I don't want to give them a nine. I feel like I kind of want to save that for, you <laughs> yeah, know, I a cultier cult. <laughs> yeah, I would say that that sounds about right too. There wasn't anything like, yeah, they were all consensual. Definitely the underage stuff a little a little iffy, but uh, that definitely pushes them up. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I would agree. I think eight's a good one. Uh, 
Okay. So, oh, that's <laughs> nice. So we're all on a we're yeah. on the same page. I wonder. I wonder how that will continue I know. into the future. Not well, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, cult aesthetic. I'm a solid ten. Again, they invented bloomers. I don't know what else we need to say about anything. And they have yeah. the silk scarves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're running around in bloomers and a bunch of silk ribbons. With short hair. Oh my god, short my hair. short hair. I think yeah. uh yeah. yeah, see that I was initially I was like cult aesthetic low for me on this one because it sounds a little I don't know, <laughs> creepy. Uh and also I'm not like a big Victorian era dresser, but then when uh, you okay. said bloomers and short hair, now mm-hmm, hold right? up, I think they earn a 9 for me. I don't think they get a 10. Listen, I'm yeah. saving my 10. We all know for what, but it's uh, I'm waiting. <laughs> I think I think a, a nine is a good one too. Yeah, because I do like the occasional skirt. So I'm like, uh, you know, bloomers all the time. I agree with you. I just i I have such a passion for the people who invented yeah. bloomers. I just I want to give them the gift of giving them a yes. ten. I respect that. Um, yeah. Uh, again, Anita is like a longtime favorite cult <laughs> of mine, and so I wear bloomers a lot. And I'm always like, oh my god, so Anita. You guys are the best. Um, if you Goog the inventor of bloomers, this is really interesting. You'll actually get one particular woman's name and she was their effing neighbor. <gasps> Wait, what? Yeah. So this, this bitch saw her neighbors at the cult wearing a bunch of bloomers. And she was like, hang on while I make this a pattern and sign my name. To oh my it. God. Are you referring to Amelia bloomer? The namesake of bloomers. <gasps> it, is that a real thing? Yeah. Wow. There you go. That's her name. This bitch. This I think we should call them the call them Oneidas. The Oneidas. Honestly, that's yeah. fine. I feel like I don't say the word bloomers enough that this is going to inconvenience mm. me a lot as a change. So <laughs> yeah. I can do this for you. You know, like I can Thanks. do them a solid and, and start referring to bloomers as Oneidas. You guys are you're good to me. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Yeah, they deserve um, it. My last my last one is the scale of wackadooiness slash zaniosity. I gave them a nine, partly because they threw that guy out the window, obviously because of complex marriage in general. Um, also, just a side note, they they had a um, all all communities have their own like little like weirdos that pass through that they don't really like and their own little inside stories. But one of theirs is that this guy whose name was Charles Gateau came through the community and just kind of kept hanging around and they really didn't like him. So they called him Charles get out. <laughs> like we wish you'd get the fuck out. So his name is subtle. They, yeah. they were like, what's up Charles get out. And eventually he went on to assassinate president Garfield. Oh, so that's why you don't bully people. Kids right there. All right. The president's life is in danger. Oh my God. <laughs> this, this call has so many weird ties again, this weird little, honestly, Mm. pop culture uh cult a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah it's well, like the butterfly effect yeah, yeah it's fair. like they touched everything yeah. i don't i it, this is one of those things where i'm like yeah if we went back in time and changed something things would go terribly wrong yeah. because or terribly right yeah. i don't know because like if you just remove this one cult it sounds like a bunch of things wouldn't happen yes. which is just like God, our individual lives are so, so valuable true. and important aren't they wow magical i'm serious that sounded cynical but i'm, I'm being real yeah um yeah i mean i guess it's true like had this guy been accepted in this community which he tried really hard to do and they were like get out he would not have gone on to assassinate the no. president because he would yeah, have been like truly an anti-bullying message yeah he wouldn't have yeah. left he would have made silverware he would yeah. have been which a is... proud silverware baron yeah. okay like the rest of them yep 
Yeah. Oh, there you That's go. That's right. All right. So, um, guys, clo- closing thoughts. What are your thoughts? Would you join Oneida? I'm a, I'm a solid yes. I'm an absolutely. Oh, we Would didn't give Oneida? Oneida? What are your thoughts? Oh, I'm sorry. Give me your ratings. Oh, my end rate. Wait, rating on what? I'm sorry. No, you're, I'm sorry. Your wackadoo oh, my wackadoo ratings first. I gave them a nine. Honestly, I'm going to say like an eight. I feel like it could be a little wackier. Yeah. A little wackier. Yeah. I'm about to say something well, really challenging. So yeah, I gave them a nine because I read their journals. You might change your mind after. Yeah. After that, go ahead, Amron. What you I, got? Listen, listen. <laughs> They're getting a six from me. Nothing you said surprised me. Nothing you said surprised wow. me. I was not familiar with these people, and everything you said was so by the book. I mean, like, I don't know if they invented the playbook on this or they were just doing the human thing. But like, are you kidding me? Like, I could have written the story with my eyes closed, probably. Like, <sighs> there were some weird facts in there, like the the callouts and stuff, but like guy says he should be able to marry a bunch of wives you know i don't want to get i don't want to get excommunicated by a church i've never been a part of but like if you read the mormon history you're going to find something real similar (laughs) well uh gentle listeners let me reintroduce amarin when i say she grew up cult adjacent it's because she grew up adjacent to the cult i grew up in (laughs) so it's me i'm coming in hard okay listen i i think that sometimes we give cults too much credit just by like the idea that they're we're like cults okay we're i'm I'm using air quotes you can't see that uh but i think that we give cults too much credit honestly a lot of the time because it's like they get this zany thing just by nature of like having a bunch of people that agreed and i'm like yeah that is Mm -hmm. unusual especially in today's day and age but that being said I don't, I don't but know. Also, like you never met to, a bunch of people that wanted to have sex. I don't know. Yeah. But also this was in the 1800s, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I guess, I mean, now I agree. I think it should have, I think more wacky, more twist turns would have been fun. But I guess at that day and age, like it's probably pretty wackadoo for them, but yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard to give the context. I have forgotten consistently about the important time context mm-hmm. throughout this conversation. And I, I want to go on the record to say that, but I still am holding strong with a six. I will I do it. Respect it. I respect it. <laughs> Thank you. That's all, all right. I asked for. And so last question, would y'all join Oneida? Honestly, I'm going to say no. The, okay. the kid, the, the younger kid thing just really did throw me off a little bit. And the mm-hmm. niece, you reading the niece's journal was kind of, I I think that kind of threw me in. I was like, eh, that doesn't feel great. But I do like afterwards, the silverware making, I would definitely go do that with them. I would hang out with them. <laughs> I feel like I would, I feel like I would join this cult in the context of the time for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Because like I'm a big pro women's rights mm-hmm. thing. And even though now this cult hits me is not the most progressive it could be. I still, you know, like at the time I know it would have been hella progressive. So like <laughs> I, I probably would have joined it. I will say I definitely would have been one of those people where the kid thing, when the kids got older and it was like, Oh, the kids have to now have sex with the old guys. I would leave instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would take me out immediately. I don't think that's cool. Uh, yeah, that's my, that's my line. So I think, I think it's like a yes and a no for me. It's kind of a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to ask myself, uh, shy of the kid thing, which is obviously n- none of us think mm-hmm. that sounds like a great right, idea. Right, right, right. Uh, would I? Would I like? Would I be all in? Shy of that? Uh, absolutely, yes for me. Yeah. But I also know, truly, having grown up in a like fairly culty setup, I know what it felt like to be fully loyal to my group. Mm-hmm. If I'm in my group and I've been there for 15 years, and then they start doing that, would I? 
go along because I'm so fiercely loyal to my group. I don't mean, do I think that's a good idea? I mean, would I do it? I might. No, and it's a a fair thing to be honest about, right? Because like, otherwise, I feel like we put ourselves at risk of judging these people, you know, like really heavily. And it's like, I don't know. Well, I mean, again, in my culty church, people would be like, our neighbors are Satanists. And I saw them sacrifice a baby. I saw it happen. Yes, yes. And we'd we'd be like, yeah, we did too. (laughs) That's, that's that's a yeah. real thing that happened. Oh, this person had a tumor and it disappeared right in front of me. Oh yeah. I saw that too. Like you just yeah. say it mm. you toe the line. And so, you know, would I toe the line in that, in that situation where standing out here, I'm like, no, that's a hard no. Right. Would I, I personally, I don't mean cause it's the right thing to do. I mean, because I have my own unhealthy proclivities. Would I, would I be a steadfast cult member? I might. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't mean I, I, that's good. I just, I think I might yeah. if I were already in. Yeah. But I feel like whenever the kids came out and said something like years down the line, like that's like them being like, okay, that like, this is not cool anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. that's true. You got to respect the response to yeah them speaking out on that level. Yeah. And I don't know. My I don't morality wanna... agrees with yes, you. Right. I, I understand what you're saying. I do. I completely do. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, yeah. you are right to approach it that way. And for that reason, yeah, it's, it makes it, it makes it really tough. That's, that's probably, yeah. I think if we remove the kid thing, I would probably have joined. Yeah. Aww, okay. <laughs> I, I think we know what this means. I think I'll see you guys in upstate New York. Can't wait. All right. I've always been a silverware gal myself, so I'm ready to get into it. I want to be in charge of the Museum of Oddities, please. That's a, yeah. Oh, I think that's, you're well suited to that job. Amarin, what's your job at Oneida? Giant library organizer. Okay. (gasps) Oh, you guys are taking all the sweet gifts. Yeah, I'm sorry. As the English major, I had to just slam into the library. I'll tell you right now, I'm one of the sex organizers. Oh, I fully trust my own judgment on who should be sleeping with who. Honestly, I kind of trust your judgment too. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, you guys. Great. uh, Maybe, maybe at the end of this, are we just going to like be in a cult with you as the leader? And and it's just going to be like awkward. We didn't realize, but we're just kind of like, yeah, Jesse, whatever you say is great. (laughs) This has been so much fun. I'm I'm really loving this. I can't wait. We'll start doing it uh, on the reg. Uh, do you guys have any favorite cults that you'd like to, to get on the, on the lineup? I'm down for whatever. Amran, you go girl. You're nodding. What's your fave, Amran? Rajneesh. Oh, that's right. You said you love the Rajneesh. Wild, wild country, baby. Yeah. I love, I love the, aesthetic. if you want to hear me talk about aesthetics, I love also free loving. Um, that's it. Obviously they did a lot of bad stuff, but like, I like that anti-government <laughs> nonsense you know i like a little bit of chaos with my i want them to have like standoffs with the government if they're a cold okay like it's not for me we're not talking cold until there are like you know people chaining themselves to something <laughs> that that feels good well, to me. i'm a passionate woman jesse for another podcast you know my husband's family did have a standoff with the government in their cult it was on the news it was the 30-day armed standoff so well, wow. we'll get into that one on another one. Can't wait. Fun. <laughs> I'm I'm a Manson girl. That's always yeah. gonna be my favorite cult, but we gotta talk Manson. We gotta talk I feel like we need to talk about Heaven's Gate. 
at some point. Oh yeah, for Heaven's sure. Gate is I have like a lot of notes on their aesthetic. We love a Heaven's Gate. I I <laughs> wish we could talk about like stuff that's not. A, I wish we could just branch into stuff that's like like a stretch, you know, like Young Living, you know, <laughs> or some shit. Young yeah, that would living. be so funny. <gasps> like because uh, Lula, Lula Rowe is on my oh list. Oh my gosh. I think okay. So maybe we can talk about. It. I used to be a Young Living Fuck distributor, yeah. and I would love of to absolutely trash them into the ground I, because they literally. I had to leave because I, I think we all know this, but I have a traumatic brain injury mm. and I had gotten it right before I started using essential oils. I started using essential oils because of the traumatic brain injury. It was a tough time. I was not myself. <laughs> um, and somebody looped me in as they always do a vulnerable, vulnerable young woman loops me in mm-hmm. and they straight up told a young woman with me there that my head physically in appearance had reduced down to being like a normal forehead. And I used to have like a giant knot and I just turned around in the middle of the dinner and I said, that is categorically untrue. My head has never looked different from this from the moment that it healed the bruise. And I don't know what you're talking about. I still suffer every day. You mock me. And uh, <laughs> and I left. I left. It was so a flame cute. downtown. And I left and I never, I still love Young Living Oils because they're nice, uh, but they're expensive as hell. Uh, but yeah, I think they're a big old cult and I absolutely hate them. So if that ever comes up, I'd love to call people out by name. Wow. I'm just kidding. Cameron, it's on the list. There yes. Go. Okay. Can't Thank wait. God. Thank you. Can't wait. All right. You're going down, Amanda Gillis. <laughs> wow. I'm so excited. Cameron's calling people out by their government names. So check it. Check back in here for the tea. For All right, guys. That that wraps up our first uh, our first Woo-hoo! cults I would join. Bing, 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 bing. Cults I would join for the win. Woo-hoo! Girls, I adore you. I'll see you next time here for all the great cultiness. Wait. Hang on and cults I join. Cults I join. If you are loving cults I join and want to help us share the fun, here are some actions you can take. Subscribe and share the show on any podcast platform. Rate and review us on Google. This keeps us visible and gives an angel its wings. Or at least that's what our guru says. Follow us at cults I join on the dot com, the Facebook and the Insta. And then hit us there with all your comments, discussions and questions. We really do love hearing what you think. Finally, a huge thank you to our co-creators. Editing and post-production is by DeverWeb. And the biggest thanks to the incomparable Miss Devin Spruill, our theme song creator and performer. You should go soak up her music right now. And that's it, y'all. Thanks for listening and happy culting. Cult, I join.